Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The New England Revolution are the first team to have their contract decisions out. The offseason is in full swing. Uh, the Revolution have 15 players that have guaranteed contracts going into next season, and they uh, exercised options on nine of the 13 players that they had to make a decision on, uh, as well as one option. Uh, that uh, is to be determined in Ismail Tajori Sharadi. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, and three players are out of contract in AJ De La Garza, Nacho Heel, and Brad Knighton. Uh, I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Sean Donahue. Uh, we have a lot to go over. Sean, how are you doing? I'm good. It's nice to be back and talking about 2023 instead of uh, looking backwards at the terrible season that was. <laughs> 2022 is over. We are looking into 2023. We already got a Good jump on it last week. I'm glad we decided to do all of that last week so our listeners knew kind of what to expect uh, in, in these contract decisions and, and who was under contract. I think a lot of people on social media were surprised Omar Gonzalez had a guaranteed contract, but our listeners weren't because they listened to this podcast. They knew we said that specifically last week. Uh, I know I know that that, that that topic is a bit dry and listing off names is not the most exciting podcast form, uh, but I, looking at these names, I, I would say we got most of the guaranteed contracts right i think you had you, you knew who was uh, under a guaranteed contract if you listened to you last week i think some some options surprised us and we'll go down the list uh as we go on but there were some that i don't think we thought would be extended and they were uh the only thing we really got wrong was ismail tajori sharadi who again his option is to be determined uh sean why don't we we start there because i think a lot of people want to talk about that but uh bruce arena had a press conference yesterday saying that he's currently in Germany. He's dealing with a potentially career-ending injury. Um, doesn't sound very good. I, I know that Bruce has made some comments alluding to the fact that they're surprised he came in injured, more injured than they expected, uh, and it, it, it's being dealt with with the league. Um, these roster decisions came out and said that his option will be decided by November 14th. And we also mentioned last week that he was not listed on the free agency list that MLSPA put out a few months ago, uh, and he would be eligible for free agency. So I wonder if he has a contract and MLS is essentially making some sort of exception and there's some sort of negotiation going on with the league. Hello, everyone. Greg here. Just coming in to make this post edit to let you guys know that Greg from one hour ago and from last week is dumb and didn't look at the LAFC section of the MLSPA free agent list. And Ismail Tajori Sharadi is clearly listed there as having it an option. So ignore me from one hour ago and from last week saying Tajori Sharadi had a guaranteed contract. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just a lot we don't know. It's just it's crazy to me that this trade went through without the revolution knowing that he had a potentially career ending injury. Um, I mean, do, did they do they do a medical with which is, you know, at least in international soccer, pretty common practice in, in other leagues uh, before this happened or were they just relying on LAFC's word? Either way, this, I think there's a lot more to come out about this story. It was interesting that that Tom Bogart shortly after that quote came out, tweeted out that he just spoke with Ismail Sajori Shroudi and, and said that the doctors are assured him that he will make a full recover from injury and will actually be back in training in a few weeks, uh, which is kind of a different story than, you know, the way. I think the way we were left thinking after Bruce's comment. Um, so I think there's a lot 
to unpack here. And there's a lot of unknown still of, you know, what LAFC told the revs, what diligence the revs actually did and, you know, where the league comes down. And if LAFC, you know, failed to disclose this you know, terrible injury to the revs and we still don't know what the injury actually is. So um, a lot of lack of transparency all around in this one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I know we've criticized the lack of transparency from the Revs and from Bruce Arena. To be fair, uh, this seems like there is some personal medical information and, and potentially some, I don't want to say legal ramifications, but certainly the league is getting involved and this is a serious situation. I imagine Bruce can't say a lot. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Tom Bogart report last night that, um, you know, DeJore Shreddy expects to play next year, but it seems like Bruce doesn't. And this might be a situation, I think a lot of people are saying, well, LAFC did not disclose something. Um, the Revs you know, maybe they're, you know, pulling some shenanigans, um, you know, they should have done due diligence. It's totally possible that LAFC didn't catch something and the revs did. And, you know, in a couple of weeks of training, they've, they realized something was, you know, else was wrong or, you know, there's, there's a different health scare going on or, or something to that effect. Um, we don't really know details and we won't know details since it involves personal medical information, but it will be interesting to see how the league handles this. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but it reminds me of the um, Boston Red Sox, uh, San Diego Padres drew Pomeran Pomeranz trade uh, back in, I think it was 2017 or 2018 when the Padres failed to disclose uh, information and major league baseball let the Red Sox potentially cancel that deal uh, and the Red Sox declined anyway. But I, I wonder if there's going to be some sort of compensation for the Revs if his, uh, if MLS finds that the Revs did not have enough information at the time of that trade. Yeah, and I just got to say, at the time of the trade, I thought the Revs got fleeced in this transfer and that they gave LAFC what LAFC paid for him six months before. And, you know, he played six games for LAFC all off the bench uh, due to injuries, wasn't very healthy. His value should have been at an all-time low. LAFC was desperate to offload him so they could make those summer signings. And the Revolution gave LAFC exactly what they paid for him six months before, plus the possibility that they would give him another 200000 and and game if the Revolution were to re-sign him past 2023. So at the time, I thought the Revolution were getting ripped off from a team that should have been desperate, that should have been selling at a discount. And now when you see this, they really did get fleeced in this deal. Um, for a guy as experienced as Bruce Arena, I'm kind of surprised that you know, how all of this played out, not even just with the injury, but it just it just seems like a bad bit of business all around. And then on top of it, the fact that they didn't know about his injury just makes it about a thousand times worse. <laughs> well, either way, I, I think we hope for the best for Tajori Shirati and hope we see him on a soccer field somewhere next year, whether it's with the Revs, whether it's elsewhere. Uh, ho hopefully the Tom Bogart report is accurate and he will be playing soccer soon. It seems yeah, like a tough situation. And if he gets healthy, I feel like he's a guy that could add a lot to the revolution next season. If he can get back to the, the player he was and stay healthy and, you know, be at a hundred percent, there's just a lot of question marks around that now. Um, but I, you know, I think we'll get into it later. I, I expect the revolution to play with wingers next season. And a guy like him would add a lot for the revolution. Um, you know, a lot of options for them if they do go with it, you know, the four, five, one, four, two, three, one formation next season. Um, but just, it's just unfortunate that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him next year based on everything we've heard. Only 28 years old. So he has a lot of soccer left. Um, let's get into the, uh, just so everyone knows the guaranteed contracts, if you've not seen it online or on social media, guaranteed contracts, Josie Altador, Esmir, Dylan Barrero, Gustavo Bo, Noel Buck, 
Brandon Bay, Andrew Farrell, Carlos Heal, Omar Gonzalez, Dewan Jones, Christian McCoon, Tommy McNamara, Georgie Petrovic, Matt Polster, Giacomo Veroni. Uh, we knew all of those except for McCoon. We didn't know McCoon's contract status, but those are the guys that the Revs didn't make any decision on uh, this week. Uh, they had guaranteed contracts for 2023. Again, doesn't mean they're going into the season as a, a player of the Revs. They could be traded. They could be bought out. They could be. Uh, they could have a mutual termination if they agree to terminate their contract. But those are the 15 guys that they didn't have to make a decision on. The nine players that the Revs exercised option on, John Bell, Earl Edwards Jr., Jacob Jackson, Henry Kessler, Maciel, Justin Rennix, Ben Ravino, Damian Rivera, Ryan Spaulding. I was surprised at a few of those. Earl Edwards Jr., I know we talked about, you know, who, we didn't know which of the goalkeepers were getting kept. Earl Edwards Jr. Uh, getting that spot was a little surprising to me. Uh, I was surprised at Ben Ravino. I was surprised at Ryan Spaulding. Um, I was a little surprised at Justin Rennick. We talked about that a little bit last week. I thought that they were going to be moving on from him, but uh, they kept him and they kept uh, Damian Rivera, both homegrown prob- uh, uh, players still worth worth mentioning. Uh, declined options, four players, Ima Boateng, Clement Diop, Wilford Captoom, Edward Kizza, Captoom and Kizza. I don't think we had any surprises there. We talked about it last week. Uh, Clement Diop. Again, we, we didn't really know where the goalkeeper shuffle was going to land, but a little surprising since they traded for him. Sean, you talk about uh, getting fleeced in the, the ITS trade. Uh, they traded for Clemente Op from Miami. Doesn't make an appearance. So that's essentially just gam that they lit on fire. Uh, seems like a bit of a sunk cost, and they, they'd rather keep Earl Edwards Jr. at this point. Uh, and then Ima Boateng was the big surprise. A lot of people very, very shocked at that one, uh, but you called it, Sean. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, ITS, TBD. Uh, and then three players out of contract, which we also mentioned last week, AJ De La Garza, Nacho Heel, Brad Knighton. Worth mentioning that the Revs on social media said a thank you post to AJ De La Garza, did not post one for Nacho Heel or Brad Knighton. So maybe the door is still open for those guys. So I know I threw a lot at you guys, uh, and I, I, know, I know I threw a, a lot to throw at you, Sean, but do you have a key takeaway uh, from the roster decisions? And by the way, the key takeaway is brought to you by the Rebellion, our friends at The Rebellion, go check out anyrebellion.org to learn about more about supporter culture and how you can become a member for the 2023 season. Uh, Sean, key takeaway. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there weren't any big surprises. There were a bunch of little surprises, um, kind of like you said. Um, I guess the key takeaway was and, and not too exciting. is just the, the goalkeeper situation and that, you know, that was the one that I was kind of 50-50 on what the revolution would do. Um, the fact they brought back Jacob Jackson to me tells me that they think he will make a full recovery from his injury and, and be back to the player that we thought he was. That's a positive sign. Um, the fact they brought back Earl Edwards, I guess, is not that surprising given he was the backup, you know, pretty much all season, the number two choice. Um, and, you know, I guess my, my other takeaway in the goalkeeper situation is I expect Brad Knighton to be back now. Um, again, based on the, not having the, the kind of the thank you post and based on the fact that they moved on from Clement Diop. Um, so that's very, very interesting. Um, I guess not very, very interesting, maybe putting it too strong, but interesting that that's kind of how the, the goalkeeper situation p- played out. Um, and certainly the, the Clement Diop signing or, or trade makes very little sense now in hindsight, um, where they gave up 125,000 and, and GAM and, and moved on from him. Um, you know, just, it, they got what, four months out of him and never played, never made the bench. I don't believe, um, it, it's kind of a, a weird move that they made considering they you know already had four goalkeepers on the roster, um, at that point. So I, I don't, I don't know really the point of that. I know there was, there was talk that, Hey, Jacob Jackson got hurt. You know, you want this guy to, to come in, but they, even with Jacob Jackson hurt, they had three healthy goalkeepers. So, uh, that was a weird one. That was 125,000 lit on fire, as you said. Um, maybe it was a competition to kind of ha- play him against Earl Edwards to see who'd be the backup next year. But 
Um, given that he was on a, a contract that wouldn't have allowed him to be on the supplemental roster next year unless they were still getting part of that subsidized, which given he was an, given it was an option year, I kind of doubt was the case. Um, that makes little sense to me. Uh, so I guess my, my takeaway is just kind of how the goalkeeper situation played out because that to me was the one that I, I had very, very difficult job predicting, but it seems like next year the Revs will go into the season with either Earl Edwards or Brad Knighton as the backup and, and probably both of them on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. And you, you mentioned, uh, Clement Diop. I, I know that he was moved to the supplemental roster this season. I, I don't remember if the report was supplemental roster this season or next season. I think we, we assumed it was next season as well. And the Revs were making a move to move on from Earl Edwards, but also maintain a goalkeeper that they could keep on the supplemental roster. Um, I, I'm not sure what the Diop move, the point of it now, was now, um, unless he, they thought he would be better. And he came in and they said, you know, Earl Edwards is just as good as this guy. Why don't we just keep Earl? So um, yeah, very, very surprising moves. Uh, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Knighton situation plays out. Cause I mentioned they did not do a thank you post for him. They did not do a thank you post for Nacho Hill, who they've mentioned that they have interest in resigning. So I, I'm curious if Brad Knighton agrees to come back because Jacob Jackson is going to be out for part of the season. They're going to need a th- third goalkeeper. Uh, I wonder if they sign him to a one-year contract or, and I don't know if this is possible, but maybe even like a six month contract. I know LAFC has had some contracts that expire mid season, I mean, maybe you could sign Brad Knight into a six-month contract uh, as a backup slash third goalkeeper until Jacob Jackson returns. Uh, maybe that's something that's in there that they'd be interested in doing. But um, yeah, I don't know. The, goal, the goalkeeper situation, we really had no idea where it was going to land. Um, and and I, I was very surprised just based on the trade that Diop uh, was the odd man out. So Yeah, and the, the one thing I'll add, too, is I said this at the time they signed Diop, is I, I think you can get a goalkeeper of Diop's quality um, probably on a supplemental roster spot and free agency in MLS. I don't think Diop is some sort of extraordinary goalkeeper. And by the fact that they moved off from him certainly proves that. Um, I, at the time they made that trade, I was quite convinced that the Revolution, if they so wanted to and weren't happy with their goalkeeper situation, could find a goalkeeper of the level of Diop in MLS free agency and, and not give up anything. So th- that move to me is just bizarre. And I know we talked about in the, in the previous offseason off that the Revolution did have a lot of gam and a lot of allocation money to play with. Um, but when you're extremely wasteful with it, as the Revolution were this season with some of the moves, and we'll get into more of that later, I think, um, you know, at, at some point that comes back to, to bite you. And that was just you know money thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, my key takeaway is kind of what I covered last week. The Revs have a lot to do. We, every player that we had projected on our roster, Sean, uh, except for Clement Diop, uh, and, and you could just sub Diop for, for Edwards, uh, we had protected, and that was a 21-man roster. And the Revs have 24 players, and maybe they'll have ITS uh, next season as well. Uh, I was a little bit surprised at some of these players that were kept. Renex, Ravino, Spalding. Uh, it, it seemed like they would be... Uh, their roster spots would very, very much be in question. Uh, but instead, the Revs are going into the season, by my count, with a full supplemental roster. Uh, they have 24 players. I, I counted 14 on the senior roster, so they have six senior roster spots. Uh, and it, it seems like they have a full supplemental roster. The only player cut from the – that was a supplemental player that was cut uh, is Edward Kizza, I guess Clementi Op 2. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm – 
surprised, at, uh, and also with cutting to you, you have Jacob Jackson coming off the list. So maybe Masiel and, and Jacob Jackson will go on the season-ending injury list that'll open up two spots, and, and maybe you can get the roster down to 22. Uh, but we're still in the same spot that we projected last week, which is that the Revs are going to have to ship out some players, and Bruce Arena did indicate that there will be some trades coming. So it's going to be interesting to see if some of these supplemental roster guys are gone. Um, if if there's going to be, you know, does Renex have value somewhere else in the league? Uh, does Damian Rivera, does John Bell? Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of attractive bit players that might other teams might might value. Um, and, and it'll be very curious to see what happens at the top of the roster because I, I can't imagine Josie Altador is on this team next season. Bruce Arena mentioned that Josie has an interest in playing elsewhere uh, outside of New England. Um, even if they can't find a trade partner, I have to imagine they're going to use the contract buyout clause. You're allowed one uh, buyout per off season, uh, and it won't impact your cap the following season. I have to imagine that's used on Josie. Um, so uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of surgery to do here. Uh, and I, I also, I, I, while we're talking about it, I think it starts with Josie. I mean, his contract is just so bloated. Uh, they they have to find a way to move him. And you know, he has not been playing too much in Mexico. I can't imagine there's much of a market for him. Uh, I I, I Really, really hope uh, that Robert Kraft uh, approves cutting a check and getting Josie out the door, out the door. Josie out the door. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I think that's an absolute must. I mean, the flexibility of the revolution had is already limited. If they don't move on from Josie, you know, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, l- looking at Josie, I, I hadn't even realized because he you know, had scored two goals in Mexico. He hasn't played since September 7th. So it's it's obviously not going very well for him down there. I don't know if he's got another injury or what the situation is, but he hasn't played since September 7th. So when when Bruce says that, you know, Josie has an interest in going elsewhere, you know, that's great. But I can't imagine there's much interest in him from other teams. And I, I, of course, we were wrong last summer and he found opportunities to be loaned elsewhere. But um, for some team, for him to, you know, for the revolution to kind of send him to somewhere else on a free transfer, Josie's probably going to need to get, you know, very similar salary to what he has now. Um, it's for the revs to award a buyout. And I, I can't imagine there's many teams, inter- if any teams, interested in him at that salary. So it, it, my guess is that Josie Altador leaves via buyout. And, you know, it would be a miracle for the revs to find a way to offload him without using the buyout and, and give him to another team and, and then maybe use the buyout on Omar Gonzalez and save it for that. Um, but no, that's an absolute must that they get rid of Josie Alcador. Um, and it's, it's funny that there was that article in the athletic about him trying to, to press to play for, for a world cup spot. And then he hasn't played a minute since for, for Puebla. So it, it's not, it's not going very well for him down in Mexico. No, no, I, the, is Josie a dark horse to make the United States world cup roster has been a very bizarre narrative that, uh, soccer media has been pushing for really since his time at the Rebs. I remember his interview on extra time, uh, which, came in with a lot of hype and I, I remember after the interview Andrew Wiebe saying you know I, I could see it I could see it uh no I, I I none of us could see it no one in New England could see it and that was back when we thought Josie uh would have a pretty solid role on this team as a third striker filling in for Adam Buxa uh and, and he's really been a complete flop and we will probably get into this someday but in my opinion the worst contract in Rev's history we don't know how much TFC is paying for in years one and two, but either way, they're on the hook for year three. And I cannot imagine uh, Josie Altador is here, not just in 2024, but in 2023. So um, either way, I think Josie Altador is going to be in a new kit next season. And you know what, Sean? I think our listeners can be in a new kit next season. When they go to GalassoKits.com, they're going to find something that they love. Uh, Galasso Kits has a 
large catalog of vintage jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have United States men's national team merch. They have Revs merch. They have merch for any club you can possibly think of. They have Spurs. They have Arsenal. Uh, go check out GolassoKits.com. They're going to have something you want and need for your co- closet. And if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you can enter in the size and the style of jersey that you want. And Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. So go check out GolassoKits.com for their full selection. And make sure you follow them at GolassoKits on Twitter and GolassoKits on Instagram for, Insta- for updates uh, on their inventory every single week. And when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. Promo code REVSRECAP at 15% off your ah, boy. Promo code REVSRECAP at GolassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Almost a clean read. Almost. <laughs> so close. I, I stumbled twice. I, I, I said in, I was saying Instagram instead of inventory. And yeah, just bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, GolassoKits. I'm so sorry. Um, Sean, anything else surprise you before we get into listener questions here? No, I mean, I, I honestly, every, every move here that, again, like I said, there are some surprises, but they're more little surprises. Um, Ravino and Spalding being back is kind of, it doesn't shock me. It's more of a little surprise. Um, Masial being back, um, again, I was a little bit surprised by that because of the Achilles injury and the international spot, but I, I think it's quite likely we see him end up on this using injury list to clear up that roster spot. Um, so the, I mean, the, the, the surprises here were on the guys that, you know, are supplemental roster spot guys. So it's not that big of a deal either way. Um, so no, not, no, no shocks. And, and Boateng, I guess on paper is the biggest surprise, but it, it, again, I think we'll get into that in questions and, and I'll tell you why I don't think it's that big of a surprise. <laughs> the other thing too, too, I'll say about the supplemental roster. Um, I, I think this also tells us that there isn't anyone ready to move up. I think if there were some prospects that were ready to get that first team contract, I, I, there's Jack P over at Georgetown right now. He was with the U19s. He was a big part of that team that won the MLS next cup. But outside of that, I have not heard much hype around any Academy products being first team ready. Um, I guess Marcos Diaz, we talked about a little bit, but I, I, I'm not sure where that stands. Um, I don't know if he'd be a supplemental roster player um, and again, you can open up some spots by putting Jacob Jackson and Masiel on the season-ending injury list. So maybe maybe they go that route. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see if there's any movement at the bottom of the roster there because I was surprised. As I say, I counted ten players that are on the supplemental roster as of now. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that's not final. Maybe someone can move up to the senior rosters. But um, you know, if you are selected in the super draft, you take up a supplemental uh, uh, roster spot. So I mean, what? Are we not drafting someone? So uh, curious to see how that works out. I, I, ben Ravino, who barely played, was was interesting to me. Ryan Spaulding, who barely played, was interesting to me. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, listener questions here. Uh, TSB11 over uh, on Discord. Uh, we, we did go dip back into the Discord questions. Uh, Ima, and Nacho, Ima and Nacho seem like two of our most consistently positive performers last seasons. It is strange neither of them were retained. Likewise, although the player options exercise were generally for supplemental roster players, many were for low slash no on-field op- impact, uh, which I agree with there. Uh, with the focus on senior roster players, does this signal, signal an intent to bring in something big, or is this just another sign that Bruce isn't cut out for the GM role? Um, Sean, I'll, I'll let you cover there. As I say, six guys, uh, six spots on the senior roster, by my count, uh, as of right now. Uh, so, so what do you think, Sean? Uh, does... Most of the turnover being senior roster, does uh, that mean there's something big going on, or is this a Bruce Blunder? 
Yeah, well, first of all, I think I, I think Nacho, they're going to make every effort to bring back. Um, and I expect that Nacho probably will come back um, on, on the first part of that comment. And and Ima Boateng, and maybe I'll save that for later because I know we got a bunch more questions on that. But I, you know, there's six, six roster spots. Um, I think the Revolution are going to make moves in this offseason to... Uh, to to improve the first team for sure, and that's going to come in the in the way of senior roster spots. I, I agree with your kind of your analysis earlier that the fact they brought back so many guys in the supplemental spot shows there aren't really guys from the academy other than who they've already signed, um, or guys from Revs two other than who they've already signed that they are, think are ready to come up, um, which is again a little bit disappointing. But you know they they made some signings this past year, Buck Esmir, um, so it's not like they haven't gotten anything out of their academy, and you know Ryan Spalding last year from Revs two, um, so you know that that's not. It's, it's a little bit disappointing, but not too shocking. Um, but no, I mean, I think if you look back at the past several transfer windows, the Revolution have struck out time and time again. Bruce Arena struck out time and time again. Um, he said, I think you, it was you that said last summer was, or I can't remember if it was you or Seth, that last summer was the most important transfer window for the Revolution and Bruce, Bruce's tenure. Um, and they failed pretty miserably. Um, so, yeah, I think they need openings this this winter. They were finally able to get out from some signings that didn't work out as planned. Captoom that opens up, a, a, you know, international spot, a lot of salary space. Uh, they moved on from Tristison this past summer. Again, guys that Bruce signed that, that didn't plan out as panned. Um, so there's some flexibility on the senior roster spot to bring in some international players and and make changes there. And I think that's where Bruce is going to focus. Um, he's got a lot of depth pieces on the supplemental spot roster spot that you know can play bit parts next season, and he's okay with that as the senior roster spot where you need to bring in guys that are actually going to be competition for starters. We talked about this, you know, last podcast at the Revolution. You need to bring in a center back that can compete with Kessler and Farrell for starting minutes. Um, we talked about needing better backups at fullback. We talked about needing a guy next to Tommy McNamara. Um, I think we talked about needing better options on the wings and all of those are areas that I expect Bruce to go out this winter and address. And he does have, you know, some flexibility on the senior roster to do that, especially if he moves on from out the door, potentially Omar Gonzalez, um, and, you know, opens up those spots there. Um, but you know, we can talk about Bruce's failures in the past. Uh, He's got flexibility and I expect him to focus on the senior roster to add some, some pieces there that are actually going to compete for starting spots rather than kind of focusing on the supplemental roster where you're more looking for guys that are going to play, you know, bit parts, role players off the bench. Yeah. And, and just to kind of check this box, uh, Josh and I asked us what thoughts on what positions need upgrades entering 2023. I think you just answered that. So I'm going to cut that uh, question off the list. Thank you, Josh, for, for uh, your question. Also, I want to point out, you mentioned, you don't know if uh, I said it was the, uh, most important summer transfer win- or transfer window this past summer, or if it was Seth, uh, that was me. I don't want Seth taking any credit for my uh, wonderful <laughs> thoughts. Um, I also also you said some, uh, center midfielder next to McNamara. I think you meant Polster. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Agree with everything he said there. I forget what I was going to say. Um, let's talk Ema though, because you, you we've, we've alluded to it a lot, uh, and, and I think we need to get into the Ema Boateng. A lot of people were upset uh, that Boateng left. Uh, he's certainly a spark off of the bench, but as you mentioned last week, he's played less and less and less, and you really called it, Sean. I think you were the only person that, that called that Boateng uh, uh, option being declined. Uh, Ryan Duplicia on Twitter says, uh, it's weird about Boateng. I feel he did well on the field and meshed with the team very well. Uh, we have a few other comments about Ema uh, that I'll get to later, but... Um, yeah, I, I, do you want to get into the Ima Boateng? I don't know how much more we we can really say. I, I know Bruce yeah. Arena said at his press conference that um, you know they they had a conversation and uh, Bruce more more or less came to the conclusion with with Ima that he should go test free agency. It seems like Ima might want a larger role. Um, it, it I mean I don't know if he, he wants more money, but Bruce did also say that they weren't willing to pay uh, the salary that was on his option. So 
Um, what could that have been, though? I mean, he was, he made two hundred and twenty five thousand last year. I can't imagine his option was for that much of an increase. No, I can't either. And like you said, you know, if they're going to bring in wingers and you have Dylan Barrero on the left, and if you're retaining Damian Rivera, I mean, I I would prefer Boateng over Rivera. Um, but for a bit player, if you get an increase to let's say two seventy five, I mean, if, it, if it's still a quality backup, I, I don't have an issue with that salary. It makes me wonder if the Revs are kind of up against the wall salary-wise as well. It's tough to project uh, because we don't know how much they're paying for Josie Altidore. But, um, yeah, that's not a big salary. So I was a little surprised at that comment. Right. I mean, I I don't get the salary comment. If it was to open up a roster spot, I I can sort of – I can get that. And that's kind of what more my thoughts at is that, you know, the Revolution – he's taken a senior roster spot. The Revolution are limited – um, as we said, and, and senior roster spot availability and, you know, looking at next season, like I said, I, I do think the revolution are going to play with wingers. Um, and I think in Bruce's mind that Gustavo Bo, uh, there's a, he's going to see a lot of time on the wing next year. Dylan Barrero, he's certainly ahead of Boateng on the depth chart for, for wing play. Um, Nacho Heal, assuming they resign him, he's ahead of Boateng on the depth chart for wing play and Bruce's mind, I think, um, ITS, if he comes back. He's ahead of Boateng on on wing play and you know could potentially start uh, a lot of games. Um, and then you have the young guys like Noel Buck, who's seen most of his time on the wings. Uh, he might be ahead of Boateng and Bruce's mind, and certainly as he develops more, um, I think he pushes that way. And then you have Esmir, who I don't think is ahead of Boateng and Bruce's mind, but um, a young guy whose minutes are probably mostly going to come on the wing. And then Tommy McNamara, we saw this season, um, ahead of Boateng as a winger. So he, he's way down in Bruce's mind on the depth chart. Uh, so with that in mind, if you, you were short on senior roster spots, you know, you have a lot of roster spots on guys that are playing primarily or significant minutes on the wings. Um, and Boateng clearly wasn't, you know, wasn't as high up in Bruce's esteem as I think all of us thought he should be, um, you know, given how effective he was in his limited minutes off the bench. And the one thing that really stands out to me is you had that game, you know, three, th- the third to last game of the season against Montreal absolute must win for the revolution as it turned out even if they had won that game and finished the season with three games with a three-game winning streak they still would have made the playoffs but at the time it seemed that the revolution had a legitimate chance to make the playoffs so they finished with three wins um, a tie against montreal really didn't do the revs any good and boateng you know this was a revolution team that had a lot of injuries that mcnamara was starting as a winger and boateng did not see the field um, until nine minutes to go and the revolution were losing, you know, as of the 72nd minute and they waited to the 81st minute to bring Boateng on the fact that Boateng, who in my view has pretty consistently been the revolution's best star- spark off the bench. And often the only guy you look at on the bench that can provide a spark doesn't come on in a must win game in which the revolution are tied zero zero and then losing one, nothing until there are nine minutes left really shows what Bruce thinks about him. And then he didn't play the last two games of the season. So the writing was on the wall for me that Ima Boateng is so far down the depth chart in Bruce's mind that it probably doesn't make sense to hold on to him and, and keep a roster spot. Um, like I said, I disagree with that. I think Boateng has been a very consistent guy for the revolution off the bench is a very dangerous weapon to have. And more often than not the season, you look at the bench, he's really the only guy that can change the game. Uh, so in that sense, I think it's disappointing that the revolution are moving on from him. But on the sense of, if you look at what Bruce actually thinks of him, and I think I didn't even mention Damian Rivera when I was going on the guys that play on the wing, you mentioned him though. Um, it, that makes sense to clear out a senior roster spot and to move on to Ima Boateng because Bruce just didn't think as highly of him a, a, as I think he should have. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, too, is that 
Ima Boateng played a lot more this season than last season. He played almost a thousand minutes uh, for the Revs. He got eight starts. He played 400 minutes, three, 376 to be exact, uh, last season in four games. Um, it, it seemed like he is, was a spark off the bench his entire two years here. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people will remember fondly, uh, he was the guy that swung that ball into Tejan Buchanan uh, in the NYCFC playoff game last season. Uh, so I, I, I think it's kind of a universal opinion among Revs fans that uh, this guy probably could have had a role next season, uh, but it seems like Bruce disagrees. And maybe this is just a matter of Bruce trying to get younger. Um, you know, in Boateng 28, you know, if you're a guy who relies on speed when you get up there in, in age, uh, when, you, when you're approaching 30, that's when speed starts to decline. So maybe Bruce is making this move a little bit too early as opposed to a little bit too late. But yeah, I'll be surprised to see where he lands because he's going to get a job somewhere in Major League Soccer. Uh, and I'm curious to see where his salary comes out because I don't think he was overpaid at all. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little surprised at this one. So, uh, no, the, the overpayment part makes zero sense to me because just, I mean, just admit you want the roster spot because <laughs> 225 um, for what he was offering off the bench in you know, 2022 Major League Soccer, that was a big salary for you know, 2002 Major League Soccer. But at, at this point, um, it doesn't overpay does not does not make sense to me again unless he was there was some you know massive salary increase in his option which I really would be completely shocked about um, and was it was it the Houston game right before that Montreal game where Bruce brought him on at halftime and then subbed him out before the game was over uh, I just um, cl- I just closed this game log Sean I thought we were moving on <laughs> I think I, be- I believe it was I believe it was that game that he he brought him on at halftime and then subbed him out before the game over. So that was the game right before that Montreal game, um, which again is, you know, not a great sign when you bring a guy on. Yeah, that was, that was the game he brought him at halftime and then subbed him out in 86 minute for Noel Buck. Um, so I think, I think if you look at kind of the substitution patterns of Bruce arena and the lineup decisions of Bruce arena at the end of the season, it's, it's pretty obvious that Boateng was not as high on his mind as he is in, you know, the fans mind and in our mind. Uh, Porter asks us a question that I think we can knock out real quick. Uh, with ITS being out in a career-ending injury, Nacho not being announced as a re-signing, and Ima being released, is it fair to say Bruce is going to stick with the four-two-three-one based on the lack of wingers, or revert to the four-four-two? He also adds, would Barrero make a good right midfielder slash left midfielder, uh, and in parentheses, actual Tejon replacement? We've kind of talked on this, Sean. You're pretty convinced they're going to go to the four-two-three-one. I do too. The, I actually think. If you really wanted to get creative with it, maybe if you added a very good center back, you could maybe do a 3-5-2 with Bai and Dwan Jones as your wingers on the outside or, or Barrero. Or, sorry, if you sell Dwan Jones, you could have Barrero as a, a, an outside midfielder and then put Bo and Vrioni up top. But I think that's a bit of an extreme change, and we've never really seen that from the Revs. So I would imagine they're going to go back to the 4-2-3-1 with Bo on the, I guess it would be a Bo on the right, Barrero on the left, heel in the middle, and Vrioni up top. Uh, and then if Bo or Vrioni is out, you can move Nacho Heel on the right wing. That, I think, is where they're going to go with this. Um, and I think the 4-4-2 had its flaws when the Revs had some very, very talented players in Buxa and, and Tejan Buchanan. And I think they've kind of gone down a little bit in quality. Uh, and that 4-4-2 still had its tactical flaws. So I don't think we're going back to the 4-4-2, but we'll, we'll stick with the 4-2-3-1. Uh, Sean, anything you want to add on that one or uh, uh, do we want to just move on? I, I, know, I, I know you're arguing for the 4-2-3-1 here. Yeah, I, I just think the the four four two or four four two diamond or whatever you want to call what the Revolution were playing last season when they played it this season was completely exposed and it worked last season because of how much talent they had on the roster, how good Tejan Buchanan was. Um, I think if you go back to that this year, 
you know, I, I don't want to d- delve too deep into it. I just, I just don't, I think it was so exposed in 2022 that I can't see the revolution doing it next year. And I think if they try to do it next year, it would be exposed again. It just leaves you too vulnerable in the middle when Pulsar is kind of your lone DM. Um, you know, the way soccer is played these days, it was, it was impressive that they pulled it off. And I mean, they only pulled it off so far because they got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, I, I don't see them going back to that. I think kind of Bruce has kind of, kind of learned his lesson from how it played out at the beginning of the season when they tried it. And also, it should be worth mentioning that uh, although Polster, I think, is still starting um, defensive midfield quality, he played very well in 2021, and I feel like he regressed a little bit this past season. Not to say he's he, he did, he definitely did. Not to, not to say he's a terrible player, but he was playing potentially MLS All Star level soccer in 2021, and I don't think he did this year. And maybe that's just the team had flaws, but uh, you know, I, I think as a number of people have pointed out, there were games where. The diamond, he had to cover more ground, and you know, I, I anyway, I'll, I digress. I don't want to. I don't want to beat a dead horse too much. Uh, D- Derek Terrell says Emo will be missed for sure. Uh, his super sub energy will always help the team, and his assists were pretty good. Uh, what do you think is in store for Nacho Heel? Uh, Nacho Heel out of contract. Bruce Arena has made comments that uh, they are going to make efforts to re-sign him. To me, that indicates that there is mutual interest, and they expect something to get done. Um, but again, uh, he, he was not signed as of yesterday. Uh, and they did not mention uh, that they were signing him uh, in the press release yesterday. Again, no thank you, Nacho Heel uh, post uh, on social media, which I think is pretty telling. Sean, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I just expect him to be back. I think the fact that you know he had he struggled so much to find a club this summer and was available late into the summer to trial with the Revolution and then you know sign kind of a, a a very little guarantee contract from the Revolution to just play through the end of the season means there you know wasn't that much interest in him in Europe at this point, if any. Um, and I think he did enough for the Revolution to resign him. But I don't think he did enough to all of a sudden generate all sorts of interest that he wasn't getting over the summer to get now. Um, so I would I wouldn't be shocked if he went somewhere else. But I would I mean, I, I think it's more probable than not that he ends up back on the revolution next year. Perfectly said. And yeah, small sample size. And if you're not Joe Heel, if you're struggling in free agency to find a team in Spain, you can go to America where your brother is a god and play with him. Uh, you probably won't have too high expectations. I don't expect him to be a starter. I think he'll be a guy that comes off the bench. Uh, but I, I think he you know, will thrive in that role. And right winger seems to be a big concern for this team right now. They went on, they got ITS. Who knows if he's going to be back or how effective he will be. Uh, you have Gustavo Bo on, on the wing. Again, we've talked about him, Sean. He's not that great of a right winger. Who else is a natural right winger uh, on this team? Uh, there, there really isn't many people that I trust in that spot. Uh, so I, I think Nacho Heel has a bench role if he wants it. Uh, and I can't imagine his salary demands will be too high. You have to use an international roster spot, but I, I think they're they're going to make that. And I, I think it's a really, really good fit in New England for him. Uh, and I imagine that they're going to come to, to terms to uh, uh, work on a new contract, probably for as long as Carlos is here to be. Uh, Carlos Heel is here, so. And at this stage in, in Gustavo Bo's career, even you know, if, even if he's effective as a, as a winger, you can't count on him to play every game. I, I think that's obvious. So there's going to be plenty of minutes to go around. Mm-hmm. Sam Minton wants us to know, uh, what are our thoughts on John Bell having his option exercised? Sean? Not much. It's, I think it's a kind of a no-brainer. He's a good, in my view, fourth-choice center back on a you know, supplemental roster uh, salary. So to me, it makes plenty of sense to exercise John Bell's contract and bring him back kind of a no-brainer. Solid depth piece, not going to be a starter on this team probably, but they tried him out at left back a little bit uh, to see how he fits there. Uh, he can play left back, he can play center back. Uh, you need 
center back depth uh, or a center back starter. Uh, so John Bell being a second or third left back and a third or fourth center back fitting on that supplemental roster, uh, taking up a uh, minimum salary and uh, not using an international roster spot uh, in an area of need. Uh, I, I think it was a, you say no brainer. I, I, I I could have seen them moving on. Uh, I could also see them maybe using him as trade bait if they see value in him. Uh, but letting him go to free agency, I think, would have been a mistake. So it was a good good idea to uh, exercise John Bell. Uh, hashtag announce John Bell again. Uh, uh, another year of announce John Bell. Uh, Eva says, definitely missing Ima. Always loved his energy when he came out. What position are we in most in need of? Do you think we need some tall players again since we're such a heavily crossing team? And there was a stat that the Revs were by far the you know, highest crossing team in the league. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with Adam Buxa, but uh, you know, between Dewan Jones and, and Brandon by throwing in crosses so much uh, it does seem like, you know, they're heavily reliant on that. Um, Bruce did say they need striker depth. Uh, again, a little surprised Justin Rennix was added. I thought that comment was implying that Justin Rennix was leaving. Uh, I could definitely see them adding a uh, striker off of the bench, uh, a depth striker, maybe someone who's very good in the air, uh, a Kai Kamara-ish type, maybe. Uh, but um, I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be the area they're most in need of. I think right now they need an eight. Uh, I've seen some talk of Kellen Acosta. Uh, I don't know if he would accept a below-designated player salary at this stage since he's a free agent. Uh, but they do need an eight uh, uh, to, to fit in that midfield to play with Bolster. I think that is by far the biggest spot that the Revs need. Uh, Sean, what position do you think the Revs are most in need of? I, I'm in agreement with you. And I, as far as height, you know, it is important. The revolution focused so much on crosses. But uh, again, I'm not going to not going to go into my reasoning. But um, my takeaway from last week was that the Revs' success next year is dependent on Rioni uh, finding his form and fitting with the team next year up top. And I think that goes back to the crossing as well. So they, they need him to be that target up top. Um, they're not going to replace him. They've invested too much money in him. You know, they certainly need a depth piece behind him, especially if assuming Altador is gone for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, depth piece striker is, is, is important because um, you can't count on any of the guys in this roster to stay healthy as we saw this year. Um, but I, I agree with you, a, you know, a six or an eight next to Polster is probably the most important position for the revolution going into the season. And then I'd, I'd follow it up by saying uh, a starting caliber center back, because I, I don't think you can count on Farrell or Kessler to be healthy all season. And I think both of them could use a, a third guy that can actually push them for minutes and, and push them to be better. Um, and, you know, there were times this season where, Kessler was out of form or Farrell was out of form and there wasn't really a good third option to maybe let them sit a game or two to, uh, you know, to, to recover that form or to, to get a break. And they really need that next year. Um, and then you know, not to repeat everything we've said, I think finding again with all the question marks on the wings, I think finding another guy that can potentially compete for a starting spot on the wings is, is important as well. Tyler O'Brien says, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the decision to let Clement Diop go after bringing him in midseason. Thought it was a weird move when it happened. It, now it seems even weirder. Uh, James Downing also says, so Clement Diop was here. Why? We covered this a little bit earlier um, about the goalkeeper shuffle. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be too much, but um, certainly a move that did not work out and seems like just kind of a sunk cost for the Revs that Bruce realizing that Clement Diop is not an upgrade in that backup goalkeeper spot. Uh, Sean, anything you want to add? No, I mean, we talked a little bit about DF earlier. That's just, in hindsight, it was a bizarre move. <laughs> I don't think, we've talked about it a little bit, about how important last summer was. But, boy, I mean, we complained at the time that it looked like they were 
ignoring the needs for 2022 and looking ahead to 2023 uh, at that trade deadline, those trade deadline moves where they shipped out Sebastian Legette and they brought in Diop, they brought in McCoon and they brought in ITS. Those three people incoming not only didn't really help in 2022, two of them potentially are not helping in 2023. McCoon is really your only hope. Um, that is looking like a disaster of a uh, uh, trade deadline. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, the Diop move, very confusing, lit money on fire, uh, not a fan of it, didn't feel a need, uh, pretty bad. F, F of a move, uh, graded F. Yeah, that, uh, that whole window gets graded an F, and McCoon, I think, has, there's he's still young, and we could see improvement next year, but I, I haven't been particularly impressed with his performances. Uh, so that window, I think, is dependent on him improving to, to upgrade that from an F. The window is dependent on him improving, and depending on ITS kind of getting fully healthy and regaining the form of, of what he was uh, before he was with LAFC. And Rioni was a part of that window, too. So I guess if he turns out to be the player, we, we hope, uh, then we have to grade that differently because that, you know, probably 75% of that window is Rioni. I, I mean, I think that window, everyone goes back to the Omar, uh, Legette, Josie window. At least those were signings that were, you know, they were trying. Um, I mean, I didn't get the impression that they were even trying with these moves uh, to close out 2022 and it just seemed like they were looking ahead and two of those three guys you brought in aren't even going to contribute in 2023 allegedly um i guess its is still a big question mark but man like the diop move um yeah that'll always be a head scratcher uh in hindsight just a really not effective move at all and thankfully they didn't spend too much on them uh, you know at the end of the day it doesn't impact the team too much um but a very disappointing window it was disappointing at the time it's gonna look more disappointing as time goes on i think uh, Edward Kizza was here. Why? James Downing says uh, that this is also uh, a move that I think we questioned at the time. Uh, we wanted Josh Bauer. Instead, they went with Edward Kizza in the 2021 Super Draft at pick number 24. Pick number 24, you can't expect too much from. Uh, and and so I, I don't want to rip too much into Edward Kizza here, but he did take up an international roster spot in 2021. Luckily, they were able to uh, move him on loan in 2022 and save the international roster spot. Uh, but overall, uh, surprised at the draft pick uh, at the time. We were surprised his option was picked up, uh, and now he is moving on after a unsuccessful season uh, in USL Championship. Uh, Sean, any thoughts on Edward Kizza and why he was here? And uh, do you have a favorite Edward Kizza moment? I, th I think you summed it up nicely. It was an interesting draft pick at the time, especially because he, he skipped his last season. Um, he, he just sat out his last season in college. You don't know exactly why. Um, so that made it a weird pick. He took up an international spot. So that made it a weird pick. Um, and then, you know, even if you get past that, the fact that they picked up his contract option um, at the, you know, last year was, was very bizarre to me. So you know, no surprise they're moving on from him now. They, I don't know why they hung on as, as long as they did. Um, and I, I don't, I can't say that I have a, a favorite Edward Kizzer, <laughs> Edward Kizzer moment. <laughs> he, uh, I believe he hit the crossbar in that first game in Chicago. And that was really it, uh, in terms of what we saw from Edward Kizza. really a shame he didn't get at least one, uh, MLS goal, but it was uh, pretty apparent, uh, as that 2021 season went on, uh, that he was not going to be a major contributor, uh, at, at the major league soccer level, but best luck to him. Maybe he'll, he'll find his form in, in USL championship. Uh, you know, the, the scouting report we heard was, you know, he, he finishes off his chances, uh, and so I, I know he had a bit of an unsuccessful season this year, but, you know, if he, he lands in the right system, who knows, uh, may, maybe he catches back his form. So, uh, James Down or, or sorry, no, not James Downing, uh, Jay Alexander Dolan says, do you guys know of any cool places to watch the USA versus England match on Black Friday? I do. I do, Alex Dolan. Uh, we Got Soccer is having a World Cup 
watch party for free, uh, USA versus England at the House of Blues Boston. You do have to RSVP, so go to wegotsoccer.com uh, to go check that out. I know the guys at the Bent Musket will be there, so you can go uh, hang out with them, or you can completely ignore them. I would just ignore them, and I would watch the game and hang out with people that I want to be around. But if for whatever reason you want to hang out with the, uh, the crew at the Bent Musket, Sam, Seth, uh, Alex Dolan, uh, go uh, hang out with them at House of Blues Boston uh, for the World Cup watch party. By We Got Soccer, by the way. WeGotSoccer.com. Uh, also, Sean, we got a question from Does Matt Turner Save That? Do you know where I can buy retro authentic soccer kits from a wide variety of clubs and nations around the world? That's just easy. Glocko Kits. Use your code RevsRecap to save 15%. 15% off GlossoKits.com. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and Instagram for weekly updates. Sean, we didn't really complain about Omar too much, and, and you know there was no decision to be made. I, again, we've talked about Josie Altador not being able to find... Uh, someone to move him off and they might have to use the buyout. If they use the buyout on Josie, I, I do want to talk about Omar a little bit. Um, if you use the buyout on Josie, then Omar is with the team, right? I can't imagine there's much of a trade market for the team. Uh, I, I see this being uh, something that a lot of fans are going to be surprised about, that Omar is still with the team and the Revs are not going to be able to offload him. Uh, but I, if if you're asking me right now, I think it's more likely than not Omar Gonzalez is with this team next year. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you, do you think they find a way to move him or do you think Omar Gonzalez is with the Revs in 2023? Yeah, we, we talked last week about you know, what, what they might have to give up to just get into another team for, for a buyout. Um, and I don't know what that would be. I almost wonder when you're looking at some of those options that were exercised, if there's, you know, if you, if you, if you trade Justin Rennicks and Omar Gonzalez to a team so they can buy out Omar Gonzalez because they want Justin Rennicks, like, is there, is there, is there a team that might do something like that? I don't know, but maybe, maybe that's something you're thinking about. But to be honest, you know, the fact that we saw Omar Gonzalez be used in the last couple games of the season as that kind of closer player to to close out a lead, even though he failed miserably in the the final game of the year, makes me think that Bruce still thinks there's a role for him next season. You know, he, he talked about playing those last two games to win, playing those last two games to see what he has for next season. Omar Gonzalez was a part of that. So I, I would not be shocked if Omar Gonzalez is here next year. And if Bruce, despite all of the Terrible results we saw this year when he tried to do it with Omar Gonzalez. Still thinks that Omar Gonzalez is kind of his closer next season where if there's a few minutes left in the game on the Revolution have a lead, he puts him on there as the third center back to to try to close out the game. I think it's a terrible idea, um, but I'm not sure Bruce, despite every, all the evidence presented to him, thinks it's a terrible idea because of the fact that, you know, with two games left of the season, we were still seeing him do that, um, even with nothing to play for, even with minutes that he could have given to someone like Noel Buck, um, you know, substitution window that he could use for no buck instead of Omar Gonzalez. He was putting Omar Gonzalez out there to try to close out games. So uh, it's going to be difficult for the revolution to move on from Omar if they have to use the buyout on Josie. Uh, so maybe Bruce's thoughts is, you know, Omar is going to be, is going to still have that role next year as the kind of closeout center back late in games, which um, I'm sure Revs fans wouldn't be happy to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And going back to the Botang, you know, is are the Revs up against the wall salary cap wise? It's not like the Revs can eat four hundred thousand dollars in salary if they are kind of up against it or if they have to budget appropriately so center back being an area of need i could certainly see them bringing in a center back uh and and omar being again a depth player and and hoping he plays a little better and finds a little bit better form uh for next season so i just wanted to touch that i think a lot of people are going to be surprised that omar is here next year i think a lot of people were surprised uh when, when they saw the the press release um again obviously those people don't listen to the show uh but uh, that's either Neither here nor there. Uh, Sean, I wanted to touch on the expansion draft real quick because I don't think we're going to do a podcast specifically for the expansion draft. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Uh, But just a quick 
outline of the offseason. There's a 24-hour trade window on November 7th where teams can trade players. I would expect the Revs to make at least one move in that trade window. We've seen Bruce make some moves in years past. I believe last year they traded Teal Bunbury during this window. The year before they traded for John Bell's MLS rights. Uh, they go into that trade window with one or two things up their sleeve. So expect a move uh, November 7th. After that, the MLS expansion draft is November 11th. Deadline for clubs to exercise options on players November 14th. I guess actually that makes sense to why the uh, uh, ITS option has not been exercised. So I guess I guess they're just getting ahead of everyone else. Uh, and then opening of free agency is November 16th. MLS Super Draft is December 21st. So that is your outlook on the upcoming MLS offseason. Uh, in terms of the expansion draft, the Revs do have to protect some players. They did not have anyone selected last season. Uh, they can protect 12 players. Generation Adidas and homegrown players that are 25 and under are automatically protected. Do remember Henry Kessler lost Generation Adidas status, just a heads up. Uh, and players with no trade clauses must be protected. We don't know if there's anyone with a no trade clause. I will assume all the designated players and U22 players uh, have trade uh, have no trade clauses. So automatically protected, Esmir, Noel Buck, Justin Renix, Damian Rivera. Uh, the 12 I have protected... Barrero by Andrew Farrell, Carlos Heal, DeWan Jones, Tommy McNamara, Petrovic, Polster, Vrioni, Bo, Bell, and Kessler, which means exposed. I have Omar, Makun, Edwards, Jackson, Maciel, Ravino, Spalding, uh, Botang, Diop, Captoom, Kizza, ITS, AJ De La Garza, Nacho Heal, and Brad Knighton. Uh, I think you could make the argument Nacho Heal can be in for Tommy McNamara or maybe McCoon in uh, for Tommy McNamara. Other than that, I think your protected list is, again, Barrero by Farrell, Carlos Heal, Dewan Jones, T-Mac, Petrovic, Polster, Vrioni, Bo, Bell, Kessler. Uh, Sean, uh, anything you want to add to that or any disagreements you have with my list? Yeah, I think the only question marks um, that could come out is is McNamara, like you said, and I think John Bell, too. It wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, Bruce Arena went with McCoon over John Bell. I wouldn't, but that's not something that would completely shock me. Um, but otherwise I think you got a spot on. I think it's unlikely anyone from the revolution gets taken, um, in this expansion draft. I don't think there's particularly a lot of good depth past those, you know, 12 players plus homegrown protected guys. Um, but I think, I think you're, you're pretty spot on with that list and, you know, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, Nacho replaced McNamara or Nacho replaced John Bell. I think John Bell actually is probably the more likely cut off that list over McNamara because I think Bruce really does value McNamara. Um, and a, a veteran guy with experience like that is, you know, is could be valuable to an expansion team. Um, and, you know, I, I'm assuming there's probably no trade clauses on the DPs, but my my wild card is if there wasn't one on Gustavo Bo, I would consider leaving him unprotected, assuming you don't think he's going to be furious about it. Um, just because I don't think a team would take on a salary at this point in his career. Um, and even if they did, they might be doing you a favor uh, in opening up that flexibility for the refs to use a DP spot somewhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed 100%. And I think it's a good point, too, that uh, it might not uh, sit very well with Gustavo Bo uh, being left unprotected as a designated player. Um, Sean, that wraps us up. Do you have any final thoughts before we depart here today? No, I think it's, we're kind of landed where what you pointed out in the last podcast is that the revolution don't have all that much flexibility. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what they do in that, in that trade window. I do expect there to be a trade before the expansion draft from the revs. Bruce arena certainly alluded to it, that he's been talking to other teams. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do because I think they need to make more changes than kind of the current flexibility allows them to. Mm-hmm. Third consecutive most important transfer window. Uh, w- one of these times we're going to get it right, right? 
it's like it's like at the end of the season when you're just this is a must win this is a must win this is a must win <laughs> oh uh news and notes to wrap up matt turner another clean sheet in europa league uh yesterday uh dominating uh that norwegian team that i've forgotten the name of probably the most experienced player on arsenal playing on turf that could have helped <laughs> you know uh Arsenal really rolling the dice there, putting uh, Matt Turner in freezing cold conditions uh, and on turf. He probably felt like he was back in Minnesota. Am I right? <laughs> wait, does Minnesota have turf? Actually, wait, no. I don't think they have turf, do they? I'd say I, I'm going to guess they don't because it's a soccer-specific stadium. But at the same time, the fact that they're playing in that climate um, wouldn't surprise me if they do. I should know this. <laughs> but I'm going to say no. Let me, I can, uh, I'm, I'm stalling here because I'm pulling it up right this second. Looking at Allianz Field, but it would be a shame if a soccer field did not have uh, real grass. I, I, the second I said that, it, it ruins the... It's grass. It's real grass. Oh. <laughs> well, it's still a good joke about the cold, I guess. I don't know. I'm also told it wasn't particularly cold in Norway for this game, but... Okay. It was a bad joke. Petrovic is a finalist for the Newcomer of the Year, which everyone expects. I'd imagine he's going to win that, but he's also a finalist for Goalkeeper of the Year. He won't win that. That probably will go to Andre Blake because reasons. Uh, but uh, just the fact that he's in the running for Goalkeeper of the Year, only three people are, are named finalists, uh, I think really shows his impact uh, in half a season. So uh, congratulations to uh, Georgie Petrovic. Uh, Sean, any, any chance you think he wins Goalkeeper of the Year? No, but I think he's a clear number two. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get number two. Um, I think if he was here all season and put up the numbers that he did, he'd, he'd win it. The only thing counting against him, well, two things counting against him is he wasn't here all season and, you know, the reps didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Andre Blake, I feel, goalkeeper on a first place team usually is is going to win. So that wraps us up. You can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. Please follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Follow our friends at The Bent Musket at The Bent Musket. They have some great articles coming out. There's going to be a very good article on Monday, just a little foreshadowing. So make sure you follow their work uh, all offseason long at www.thebentmusket.com and follow them on Twitter at The Bent Musket. Also, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion uh, on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them uh, and supporter culture and how you could become a member for next season. Also check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use promo code REVSRECAP uh, to save 15% off of your order. That is GalassoKits.com. There's a ton of United States men's national team merch uh, to help you get ready for this upcoming World Cup. Uh, and also, please make sure you're subscribed to iTunes wherever you're listening. We're going to be doing shows all off-season long. Uh, if you can please rate and review us five stars, it helps people looking for Revolution content find us. Uh, and if you would like to support us further, uh, there is a Patreon that we are running, uh, patreon.com slash revolution recap. Uh, you can also support us there if you are able. Uh, we'll be back later on this off-season. Probably won't have one for next week, uh, but we'll be doing updates on the Revolution and some also kind of some side episodes uh, all off-season long. So we'll be back. Uh, shortly, don't know when, uh, probably not next week. This is next week's podcast early on Friday. So, uh, thank you everyone for listening and go Rebs. <laughs>